This is Selling Success, the podcast. This podcast is for sales professionals, for those winning and those looking to win. Now, here's your host, the publisher of Selling Success Magazine's Pat Luck. We're honored to have selling legend and world-renowned master sales trainer Tom Hopkins as our guest today on Selling Success. The chairman of Tom Hopkins International, Tom has personally trained over 3 million students on five continents and has shared the stage with some of the great leaders of our times, including retired General Norman Schwarzkopf, former President George Bush and Barbara Bush, and former Secretary of State Colin Powell. Tom has also authored 12 books, including How to Master the Art of Selling and Selling for Dummies. His first book, How to Master the Art of Selling, has sold over 1.6 million copies and has been translated into 10 languages. Welcome, Tom. Well, welcome, and thank you for having me on your show. Uh, we're, we're very excited to have you here today. This is going to be a this is going to be a great a uh, great podcast about selling. I'm sure everybody's going to be very excited. Tom, I, I wanted to start off with uh, and ask you, you know, how what, what what motivated you to get started in sales? Well, when I quit college after 90 days, and my dad said I'd never amount to anything, I had something to prove, and I didn't know what I was <laughs> going to do, and. Uh, I was a construction worker and at 17 to 18, and after a year of hard back-breaking construction, I thought, i got to do something else, and my dad suggested I get into real estate, so I got the real estate license and then spent eight glorious years uh, selling and listing real estate, and after setting some records, uh, they started asking me to speak, and the next thing you know, I'm getting paid to talk, and that's how I got into this business. Awesome. What was your uh, what was your most difficult challenge early in your sales career? Well, I was young. I mean, back in the days when I was starting in real estate, the average uh, male agent was like 35 or 40, and there weren't women in real estate, believe it or not, even though today they dominate the industry. Um, but... Uh, I had a lot going against me because I looked very young. I didn't have dress clothes. I didn't even have a car when I started. I was on a motorcycle. And so when people say to me, Tom, I don't know if I can be a success, I said, look, I had everything going against me, and I worked my tail off, and that's why I uh, became who I was as far as uh, selling more homes than anyone's ever sold in the real estate business. So I really believe that I started with a lot against me, and the challenges were the age. Uh, the fact I, I uh, didn't have a car, and so adversity is not a reason to quit and uh, stop as far as your goals to achieve success. Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, you did all those, uh, you accomplished all that in spite of the things that, you know, normally people would say, yeah, yeah, you can't do it because of these things. You did it in spite of that. Sure, that's great. Well, let me ask this question for someone who's uh, new to sales today. What would be your best advice? They need to lock themselves in a room and have the company give them a technical aspect of their product. See, most new people don't do well because they lack confidence, primarily in answering questions that a buyer has about the product. So the first key to success in selling is you must have total in-depth product knowledge. And that means if you're you know, selling a technical computer, you have to understand everything about it. So when you demonstrate and present it, you come across as an expert rather than just a salesperson. What does, uh, you know, when a, when a salesperson, you know, really knows their product inside and out and they know all the technical things about it, you know, what does it do to their confidence level when they're presenting or, you know, how congruent are they uh, now that because they know all those things? Well, all of a sudden, they are not looked at like a salesperson. 
the person listening starts getting confidence in their knowledge and says, hey, I really want to do business with you because you know more than all the other people I talk to. And see, we're in a very competitive marketplace today. And a lot of people have to realize that, hey, they're going to do business with a person that's most knowledgeable, has the greatest presentation, who has a way to have people like and trust them. And all these things are what make you a great salesperson. It seems like people don't mind being sold by a professional. You know, no, in fact, if, if they're sold by a professional, they're really sure they're being sold. <laughs> That's right. If people love to buy, they just don't want to get sold. There you go. And so the pro comes across in a way where there's not a feeling of a selling situation. It's more of a service and a helping situation. Well, then how about some advice for an old-timer or a veteran salesperson? Well, first of all, veterans sometimes go into a, 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 an area of thinking they know it all, and I call this disease know-it-all-itis, where you figure, I don't need to learn anything because I have it down. And that's a challenge because new people or older folks have to realize that markets change, economies change. Uh, what's happening today might be different than it was when they started 10 or 15 years ago. So the first thing I want them to learn is uh, a pro is never out of school. And here's another little thing I love. You can judge a real pro by what they learn after they know it all. <laughs> that is a good one. Can you give us an overview uh, of the training you provide today? Well, I try to become a real how-to uh, specialist in one main area, and that's closing the sale. Uh, you see, most companies do not teach this art form. They teach prospecting, pick up a phone, make the call, go out near territory, meet people. But they don't teach how to present, handle objections, and close the sale. So that's kind of been our art form. I've tried not to be billed as a motivator because motivation is only about 10% of the field of success in selling. 80% uh, of it, at least, is your expertise in asking questions, your ability to recall the way to present and demonstrate so that they're excited to own the product. And so, so this is what the uh, pro does. All right. Well, what single strategy do you recommend salespeople implement, implement to uh, make a difference in their bottom lines? Well, they quit telling people. They start asking more questions. You see, the average salesperson wants to convince them why they should buy the product where the great ones want to make a decision based on qualification, what's best for them, then they want to ask the questions and lead the prospect rather than push the prospect into deciding on what's best. And all of this is really done with this overall feeling of I'm serving rather than selling. And the real key is, is questioning and listening rather than telling and talking. And the average salesperson has to work on that because the normal salesperson goes into selling because they're outgoing, they're gregarious, they're somewhat talkative, they've got a great personality. And those are the same things that turn off the average consumer, especially in the beginning. Because the average American, though they know they want to own things, turns off at the thought of being sold things. So it's, there's a very fine line in selling. Um, people I've taught that make seven figures a year, which there are people making a million dollars of income a year in selling today, and those we call the giants of selling. And these giants, they totally have mastered the art of questioning. Uh, and the people listening right now, 
if they would just say, as soon as I hang up the phone, I'm going to stop telling people if there's a way I can ask a question. And when they sit down with the person, instead of saying, you know, this is really something you should look at, say, let's consider this meeting somewhat exploratory, and I'd love to just ask you some questions to see if we can satisfy your needs. Because what we offer isn't for everyone, but if it is right for you, then we're sure going to do our best to serve you, not for one time, but for the long term, because that's the way our company is built, on long-term, happy, successful relationships with our clients. I think, I think that will really uh, make people feel comfortable and put them at ease. And that's the whole key. People can't spend money when they're uncomfortable. Mm. And so one of the keys to selling is to relax people, to make them feel like, wow, this person I feel good about. Uh, if you stopped me in an elevator and said, what's the main thing you must do with people to make lots of money? Is you must, sooner than most people make it happen, have them like you and trust you. And if that happens, then everything else works. Mm-hmm. So the liking and the trusting is the real key to the selling field. Well, Tom, how much small talk do you recommend on a sales call the first time you meet with a potential client? Well, I believe the first key is commonality. You need to when you first you know, meet a buyer, and of course it depends. If you're in retail sales and they walk into your location, there's not a lot of small talk. But instead of saying, may I help you? which triggers for them, I'm only looking. So if the salesperson even tries to talk to them, they're now getting pushy. So I suggest they simply say, hey, thanks for coming in. What brought you in to see us today? Now, when you say to a buyer coming into your furniture store, what brought you in to see us today, you haven't asked me, I help you, which figures we want to just look. They now have to isolate why they drove to your store, which gives you a chance then when they say we're looking for a dinette set, now you have an opportunity to say, let me show you where they're at so you can browse. And they, you want to use the word browse because that triggers I'm leaving you. Mm-hmm. And they want to be left alone. But of course, you won't leave them alone. You'll leave them for two minutes, then come back and watch and go into the presentation and hopefully qualify and close the sale. What I uh, it was funny when you when you asked that question, you know, what brought you into our, you know, our location today, or our store today, was you might get the answer. Well, I'm here to buy this or that. You know what I mean? I came in here to buy. You know, you might get that answer. You never know, right? Well, and you see, people get, don't come into a store, spend the gas, spend the time, just to look. They may say that to protect themselves and have a, a defense. But they, they really are there to invest in something, mm-hmm. and you have to be kind of assumptive with, like, what brought you in to see us today, which isolates the one thing that made them come to your location. One of the biggest issues salespeople face is building trust and loyalty in clients. How do you get a total stranger to trust you enough to listen to you? Well, I think you have to come across with a demeanor of serving rather than selling. And what I mean by that is you've got to start, of course, with the basics, a nice smile when you meet them, uh, a nice firm handshake if it is a uh, business relationship. And then, of course, I think you have to come up with a kind of what I call an intention statement where you thank them. I always believe in thanking them for their time. Like if I went into your office to do a presentation, I would basically start by saying, well, Mr. Johnson, let me start by thanking you for the time that we're going to share. Then I would say, I, I hope we can consider this somewhat exploratory, meaning our job is to explore if we can serve you and your company. 
because our copiers are the most popular in the industry today. But we, of course, know that ours is not for everyone. So with your permission, I'd like to not only present the copier, but ask you a few questions. Would that be okay? Now I start asking the right questions, and I establish some rapport and credibility because I let him talk. Let him tell me. I want to know what he has in the past. What's your past experience with copiers? Tell me about the copier you have now because that will tell me a lot about the type of thing. Then, of course, after I know what you have, I'll get a good feel for what you'll accept in the future. I like that question. You know, when you ask permission, can I ask you some questions? Because they're giving you permission. Go ahead. Sure, go ahead. Sure. And then, then you have the right to questions. qualify. Exactly. That's great. What are some strategies for giving uh, a good presentation and, keep, and keeping people's attention? Well, you have to first know and understand the basic truth that the final decision to purchase anything is done emotionally, and then it's logically explained to others why they did it. So your key in a good presentation is to build emotions. And that means you've got to be emotional and excited about your product. And I don't just mean an outward enthusiasm, but kind of an inward feeling like this is good for you. I look forward to serving you for many years. You're going to be happy in the future with what our company does. We've been in business for 25 years because of the tremendous exemplary product service we give. So you need to kind of emotionally build them with excitement. And then, of course, you have to help them logically decide to do it. What about uh, covering objection? Everybody in sales hears objections, and, you know, they normally stall most new salespeople. What do you recommend when the client says something like, well, you know, we just want to think about it, or we'll get back to you? Well, you know, obviously, if they want to think about it, there is some interest. And so you want to smile and say, well, obviously, you have a reason for saying that. Could you share it with me? Because I want to know why you want to think it over. Now, there are some think-it-overs that aren't real. They don't intend to think it over. That's just to stall to get rid of you. And if they don't like and trust you, they're using that as a nice way to say, I'm out of here. But some I want to think it overs are really true. They're a little nervous. They're spending money. So before they invest money, they want to have you help them rationalize doing it. So they want to think it over is just kind of like a kind of a stall. So when they say, I want to think it over, and you smile and say, well, that's fine. But obviously, you wouldn't take your valuable time thinking this over unless you were seriously interested, would you? They'll say, well, no, we, we are interested. Well, just to clarify my thinking, what is it about the product you feel you need to think over? Is it maybe the quality of the service that I'll render? Well, usually, if you've been nice and they like and trust you, they'll say, no, well, is it something I maybe forgot to cover? And they'll say no, and well, level with me. Could it maybe be the financial aspects, or could the money be a challenge? And then, of course, they all want to bargain. So they go, well, I think it costs too much. Then you smile and say, well, you know, I appreciate that. And today, most things do. Can you tell me about how much too much you feel? And now I've taken them from I want to think it over into an amount of money, which I can handle money, but I can't handle I want to think it over. Exactly. Well, everybody listening, Tom, I'm, I'm thinking it's safe to say they want to close more sales. What's your, what's your best advice to become a strong closer? Well, you've got to combine it all. The, the actual closing of the sale begins the moment you meet a person, meaning from the moment they see your face, they hear your voice, from that moment the closing is starting. 
And here again, if you come across with a pleasant personality, you have a warmth about you, and the main thing is get the dollar signs out of your eyes where you can't think about the money you make. You've got to think about how beneficial you're going to be to this client because that beneficial attitude is what will determine how long they'll do business with you. So again, I think the, the, the first key is to establish rapport with people in the beginning. I ask friends, but do your best to let them know we feel like you feel. And that's what people want. We want someone selling to feel like we feel. And then, of course, you have a relationship and they feel good about you. Most of my clients, after 30 years, uh, still today, will call, will come back, will want to come and see the new seminar. And it's primarily because we always offer something new. And but also we respect the old veterans who've been around many years and try to get them to get their excitement back because selling is a tough business. It can beat you up. It can emotionally drain you. So that's kind of you know that's kind of my concept of it is make people happy, make them feel good about you, and then of course have great product knowledge, be a master questioner, an excellent listener, and you add all those things up and you'll make more money. Seems like the closing would just kind of be natural as a natural part of the process. It's a natural part of a good presentation. And also, when you know they're qualified, they can financially afford it, you need to have a presentation that just highlights the benefits they're going to get, that overcomes their fear, and of course leads them at the end of the day to say, well, hey, we're going to do this. Right. Well, we all know that you know uh, referrals are a lot easier to close. Uh, do you have a method that you teach for getting referrals? Well, yeah. See, most people who go to work in selling, like just like myself, you know, we're told to ask for referrals. And of course, then of course we are new, don't know what we're doing, so we say, "Do you know of anybody else that might be interested?" And of course, the person says, "No." And so we'll do it twice. Do you know of anybody else that might be interested? And they say, "No." And so I'll try one more time. Do you know of anyone else that might like my product? They say no. So after three rejections, they say, well, I'm not asking anymore. But a pro has steps they follow. Like first of all, in the very beginning, like just with you, if I said to you, if you're happy with this interview and you feel we do a good job with your listeners, would you be offended if I asked you to maybe let me know about some other people like you in the industry that I might do the same interview for? How would you feel about that? That's absolutely. Well, good. So let me do a great job, and then hopefully I can meet some other friends that you know. So that's the first step. You have to isolate faces for them to see. Right. But you don't ask do they know anybody else. You give them some places to go and think about, friends or relatives they know. And the second step is once they give you a name, like you might say to me, well, you know, I got a friend Bob over at XYZ. He may like to talk to you. I'll say, what's Bob's last name? That's Bob Graham. Oh, great. How would I reach Bob with a little note, letting him know that you suggested I call him? Now, the second step in getting referrals is you must get all the contact information. I have a name. Now I have an address and a phone number. Then the main thing you want to say, number three, is what brought him or her to your mind? What made you think about him? Well, he's just kind of like me. I think he's going to be interested in what we've done here. Super. Then I'll just simply say, well, I'll, do you mind if I use your name when I call them? Oh, no, no. Please, tell them we're happy. 
Now I have the right to say, well, I talked to Mr. So-and-so who said he knew you. He's thrilled with our product. He asked me to give you a quick call. And so now I've got my ability to meet someone because I didn't just say, who else do you know? I isolated faces, got full names, got contact information, and then made the right call. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it's a, you can tell a story almost when you do it that way. Well, I'm giving you I'm giving you in 30 minutes what I teach in seven hours. <laughs> I mean, I'm doing the shortcut version because how right. so much time we have. That's great. Hey, Tom, the sales is, can be a tough business. How do you teach uh, people to stay excited about selling? All salespeople must motivate themselves. And on the way to work, you got to get excited about what you do. You have to be proud to be in sales. You have to realize the average American has unlimited income potential. We in sales have unlimited income potential because we write our paychecks. We know what we can make. It's the highest paid hard work and the lowest paid easy work in the world. But once you dominate a territory, once you have all the referrals coming in, then selling becomes not only fun, it becomes easy and it's something you can't wait to do every day. Uh, my last year in real estate, I closed 365 homes. Wow. Most of them were referred to me, and closing one home a day had never been done. I don't think it'll ever be done again, but most of the reason was that my ability to have this rapport with people, to make them feel good, to have them like and trust me, and then, of course, lead them through questions to the right property, which is what every product does or what every uh, salesperson does with their product. That's great. Well, let me ask you, let's talk about sales slump for a second. Um, you know, everybody goes through them from time to time. How do you get out of them fast? Well, a sales slump means lower sales, and they came because of lower activity the month or two before. You can almost graph your success in selling on the two months before as to how many contacts you've made. And that's why the great salespeople don't gauge their career by sales they gauge their career by activity each day. How many contacts are you making? How many calls are you making? And the average person in selling, because of this dislike of rejection, starts cutting back activity. Productivity in sales and income is to have lots of quality activities every day. More contacts, more follow-up, more thank you notes, and at the end of the day, you'll have a greater income every month because you will have consistency instead of peak and valley sales, which most salespeople that don't have activities have a peak and valley income. And then sometimes they don't understand it because they're thinking, you know, they don't see the, the work until they put in all the, you know, they don't see the results until they put in the That's work right. it's up and down. Well, what, right. motiv what motivates you, Tom? You know, why do you keep teaching when you could easily retire and never have to work again? Well, I think if you retire and you've got abilities and skills to do what you're, you do, then you're cheating in a way. And first of all, retirement's a fancy name for an early death. And if you look at the actuary tables of most insurance companies, the person that has a sedentary life of retirement does nothing, dies seven years earlier than a person who's active and creative and keeps working. But not only that, I think, you know, you work years as I have to get a reputation in an industry. Now I'm enjoying the excitement of coming into the city and having people go, man, I took your training, I changed my life, I went to your three-day boot camp in Scottsdale, 
and I'm making more money than ever. And, you know, so if you have that happen to you all day long, why would you ever quit doing that? <laughs> How does that make you feel when, when somebody tells you that you've impacted their life that, like that? Oh, it's fabulous. I mean, what a way to live, to earn your own livelihood, helping others make a lot more money. What a great way to live. I don't, I don't know if you have any, uh, any memorable selling situations or, you know, funny selling situations that you could share with us. But if, if you had a, you know, a favorite story that you could share with us, uh, that'd be good. Well, I think, I think one of my, uh, my favorites was, uh, I was new and excited like most people in selling and I had a woman call and want her to see a home and she told me the exact address and I went and got the key. It was a brand new listing and took her to the property and opened it up and it wasn't even locked so I didn't need the key walked in and started showing her she loved it and she says this is my house I can't wait to purchase it and I thought man this is easy <laughs> suddenly the seller came in with her groceries and the seller walked in and I said hi I'm, I'm showing your home and the woman said are you, did my husband decide to sell our home I said well is this your address and I showed heard the address she says oh no that's not this house that's across the street so i showed the wrong home she wanted to buy it and that was one of my worst experiences in selling oh man too bad you so they didn't buy they didn't want to sell well, she did, but i had to find another home no i meant like the people that let you walked into the wrong house they didn't they weren't they didn't want they didn't want to sell right oh no no i never yeah. ended up that no. no they were very happy there Hey, Tom, what's, uh, what's coming up for you next? Uh, any uh, new seminars, books, or CDs, or videos? Well, of course, I have my 65 seminars uh, a year in almost every major state in the, in the country. And, of course, if people are interested, I mean, if they'd like to have a whole you know, outline of everything we do, uh, they can call my www.tomhopkins.com or bring me up, and uh, they'll see an entire you know, outline of products, of seminars when I'm coming to their cities. and. So I hope they'll come visit me on my website and see what we have to offer. That's great. If you could leave us with one thing today, or the listeners with one thing, what, what would that be? Do what you fear most every day because what you fear are the things that successful people do. And if you do the things you fear most, you'll then overcome that fear. And thus the fear will become strength and you'll go on to a greater height. Our guest today has been world-renowned master sales trainer Tom Hopkins. For more information about him and his company, Tom Hopkins International, please visit www.tomhopkins.com. That's T-O-M-H-O-P-K-I-N-S.com. Thanks, Tom. Hey, thank you, guys. All the best. Bye-bye. Great, thanks. Thanks for listening to the Selling Success Podcast. For more information on auto success, lending success, or realty success, log on to sellingsuccessonline.com. If you have comments, questions, or suggestions for this or future shows, contact us at podcast at sellingsuccessonline.com. Now make it a successful day. Want to pick up tools and tips from professionals at the top of the sales game? Come to the Auto Success Best Practices Summit, held June 5th and 6th, 2008, at the Venetian Hotel and Resort in Las Vegas, Nevada. Hear real case studies from real dealers, along with exciting speakers and two days of intense learning designed to dramatically improve your results. Spaces are limited, so call toll-free 866 866- 866 866- 866- 866- 866- 866- 866- 866- 866- 866- 866- 866- 866- 866- 866- 866- 866- 866- 866- 866- 866- 866- 866- 866- 866- 866
739-2096 or visit www.autosuccessonline.com.